listening to SFP Now. Welcome to um, another exciting episode of SFP Now. We've not done one of these in a little while um, because it's been really busy. Uh, this show we have several guests on and we're going to be talking about uh, a new anthology series which is due to come out um, called uh, Tales of Monstrosity. Um, monsters, mi- uh, miscreant, uh, monsters, something a miscreant. I can't see the... <laughs> title because it's covered up by your freaking message damn it <laughs> monster something and miscreants who came up with the something part that's really good i like it i, th- I think that i think that's a bit that Ryan rose has added in yeah exactly <laughs> yes monsters myths and miscreants I-, I dare anybody to say it five times fast monsters myths and miscreants <laughs> <laughs> and I said it so fast the first time that, I, that, that it's echoed the third five times. So there you go. Um, and joining us, and this is the part I can't possibly mess up. Joining us for this episode, we have uh, Matt Pyle. Hello. Michael Naran. Um, Jeff Burns. Hi, everybody. Scott A. Johnson. Hello. And JC Mastro, Mastro who are all, all writers um, on this anthology. And, um, you know, we, we just let me talk about the book. So, um, how, how, how did the idea for the book come about? The idea of the anthology came about because uh, we, we did Dragons of a Different Tale uh, last year. And that was an anthology where I challenged some authors to um, come up with dragon stories but with a twist, a different genre, or, or defy the archetype of a dragon, like the traditional like smog, you know, treasure hoarding dragon. Um, and that went really great. It was awesome. It was sort of like a, it was a little different too because it's sort of a co-op type system where we split money and we work together on you know like i consult with the author sometimes about titles or whatever i just keep the authors in the loop more than you would normally have and uh and we also do critique rounds too which is pretty different um and uh everybody really enjoyed it want to do do some more of that and so the next thing was monsters so this one is about taking monsters from different folklore they're lesser known monsters you know not like your typical european vampire western european vampire or uh or werewolf or zombie and and try to uh, to explore those monsters and do some unique spins on those those creatures too. Well, um, the, the dragons of a different tale. And we actually did a podcast with you know for that last year. Um, I've got a copy of that myself. It's, um, it's really good and um, it's highly recommended. And um, you know, I'll just say if, if this one's anything like that one, I think you're going to be on to another winner. Even better, you know. So. Um, but first off, let's get, get to sort of what sort of stories are we looking at here? We're looking at um, you know, sort of like things like when, the Wendigo and, and stuff like that. You know, the because obviously, as you said, there's a lot of a uh, there's a lot of monsters that we are aware of, such as vampires, werewolves, and zombies, who who get all the press and. I've gotten so much press over the years that they've kind of become boring. Um, what can we expect in, in, in this book? You can expect all sorts of stuff. I'll start real, real quick. Uh, mine is uh, urban fantasy, lots of fae and twists on, on different types of fae type creatures. My main character is uh, a puka. He's like a hired gun, like criminal. And uh, it's kind of a, it's like John Wick meets urban fantasy, maybe. <laughs> and uh, 
Uh, and so I just tried to do some twists on, on Faye and then he's like fighting a Faye game, street game and stuff and a little twist there. Um, yours Mats is called rebel with a cause. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, does it have, uh, James Dean in it at all? <laughs> <laughs> yes. He makes an appearance. Yeah, is he a fey ghost that's got a driving off the, off, the, off the edge of a cliff fetish? Oh, yeah. How'd you know, Ian? <laughs> Just a guess. Watch out for spoilers. Come on, man. <laughs> um, but, but the log line for your sounds pretty interesting. The shapeshifter hired gun faces down a fey gang. Just another day. For this, for this outlaw, that is until the job goes sideways. A short story from the Obsidian Archives universe. Now, what what is the Obsidian Archives universe? Uh, for those who don't know, yeah, I guess I should mention that. So that's part of so Obsidian Monsters, which is on Kindle Vela right now. It's an urban fantasy setting is actually my thesis at, uh, at Seton Hill University. Um, that's the world that this is set in. These are different characters. This is like a criminal you know, underworld of that world. Uh, the main Obsidian universe and Obsidian Monsters. It's sort of like super spy, like urban fantasy, like Mission Impossible meets meets urban fantasy. So this story is like this this fey criminal underground world, and you know, I don't know, maybe these characters will eventually meet up. But will they be on the same side? <laughs> mm. oh. Yeah. Marks, uh, what's a what's a puka? I'm not familiar with that. Puka. They're a shape shifting type of fey that. Uh, uh, and some versions of the lore, a, a, a give is that they can't change. Like they have like a piece of their body that's that's off. It's different, you know, like a like a, a dog with a, with a or maybe that's not a good example. Like a like a like a cat with a monkey tail or or, or a fox tail or fox ears or something. So he has that too, where he has to hide a certain body part that changes around, and sometimes adds a little humor to it too. So uh, I think like. My, I heard of Puka before from Urban Fantasy, but uh, or not Urban Fantasy from Folklore. But then, like uh, War of the Oaks, I believe is the right title. Um, it's like considered one of the first Urban Fantasy stories, and it's from the 1980s. Uh, I read that actually part of M. Seton Hill. And there's a Puka character in there, and I was like, oh, I like this character. I want to learn more about Pukas and stuff. And I got I got to write a Puka someday. <laughs> and there's variations of spelling and pronunciation, but yeah, it's it's a fun and it's and I wanted to push a shapeshifter in different ways. Uh, hopefully, I. I did it well. Cool. Um, so, shifter with a monkey's tail, or is some like variation on 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 on, on uh, different things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He has certain. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil. But he has certain go-to shapes that he does too for what he's trying to do. And I just played around with that. I was like, if I'm a shapeshifter, I'm like an outlaw. What would I use this for and stuff? I think everybody normally just thinks a shapeshifter is I just turn into somebody I've seen and pretend to be them. I just wanted to push a little further than that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, shapeshifters, because it's actually uh, in Irish folklore and European folklore, there's uh, something called a changeling. And the changeling is not a shapeshifter. What, what it actually is, it's um, what, when, when, you know, when they kidnap uh, young, you know, young babies, they replace the baby with a changing. Yeah. That's, you know, I, so I, I don't want to give anything away, but there is a changeling in the story too. So you're right on. <laughs> ah, cool. Oh, you're going to have to, you know, I might, might be asking you for some help in regards to that pretty soon. Then Mars, you know, after, after the show, <laughs> Oh yeah. you want to swap out some babies or changes. What, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> And, and uh, you know, it's, it's just so like it's getting close to Halloween. I'm getting hungry. Um, 
Anyway, um, should we move on to uh, Scott A. Johnson, who's got a got a book? Um, how how is this enunciated? El 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 Kukui. El Kukui. El Kukui. Okay. The model for yours is a father's children are terrorized by El Kukui, a Mexican boogeyman that uses shadows like hallways and eats naughty children. Sounds like you're describing me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything, but I've been watching, so, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, El Kukui, uh so my wife is uh my wife's heritage is Mexican and Lipan Apache and Irish. And um one of the things that I like to do is I like to I like to pay tribute to, you know, other people's cultures. Um I have an assignment in in a class that I teach where I make everybody detail about monsters from other cultures. Uh, and the catch is it has to be something that I haven't heard of, which is getting increasingly difficult. Um, so when Mark's contacted me about this, uh, my wife kind of half jokingly said, you know, you should do one on El Kukui. And I said, challenge accepted. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's fascinating because uh, it goes back to that whole thing of what you can't see is more frightening than what you can. You know, the shadow under the door is, oftentimes more frightening than the monster that's making it. So having a creature that travels through shadows and pulls children out of the shadows to me is, to say the least, it's creepy. Yeah, yeah. It's, so. it's a little bit like Stephen Moffat used to do with Doctor Who, you know, the crack in the wall, you know, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. those kind of wall. Um, I yeah, also, if you look back to, uh, what was it, Silence in the Library? Mm. Uh, the uh, Yeah, see, uh, I'm a Whovian too, pal. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the, basically the dark that's coming after you, you know? So to me, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, an interesting concept and it was also a way for me to, you know, pay tribute to my wife's heritage. So well, that, that makes it even more cool. Um, because I, I you know, I, I'm just fascinated. I'm like yourself, I'm a little bit fascinated by, by, by monsters and myths and legends from different cultures. And uh, up until a few years ago, I'd not heard of this. But you have you have the Krampus, which is like the anti Santa Claus. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Kind of fascinating with that. <laughs> I have. There's actually a statue of Krampus on one of my shelves back here. So yeah. <laughs> but, but yours, you know, hiding in the shadows. It's a, a little story I got to relate to that. Uh, when I was about five, um, you share share a room with my my older brother, and underneath my older brother's bed, it was a rolled up piece of carpet. And when I was five, when the nights were off in my bedroom and I was trying to get a sleep, I kept looking at that carpet because, it, you know, it looks, it, it looks suspicious and like a big, fat old snake monster that was going to come out from under the bed and get me. And that that's where my five-year-old mind was going. I thought, and, and I scared myself so much with that for years. Um, well, part of part of what made me who I am today is that I had a brother that was just I mean, looking back on it, it's pretty funny. But um, so when I was very little and I was too short to reach the chain to turn on the light in the closet, my brother would throw me in the closet, slam the door and start banging on the door, screaming, the monsters are coming, the monsters are coming and scare the devil out of me. And um, that happened a lot when I was a kid. And then as I got older, uh, it grew into a really twisted imagination and a really twisted sense of vengeance. So... <laughs> yeah. Writing revenge into your stories then? I have killed my brother in every book I've ever written. That's, that is a true statement. It's become a game. Uh, it's become a game. It's called Spot Brad. And uh, usually it's the, it's the character that dies in the most brutally hilarious fashion. That's usually my brother. <laughs> How does your brother feel about this? It's the key question. Uh, you know, you know, he's gotten to the point to where he looks at it and he goes, "That one was me, wasn't it?" I go, "Yeah, that was you." Yeah. 
okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, writing is a very nice form of cheap therapy. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I remember um, I trained as an actor years and years ago, back in the 90s. And one of the things that we were required to do as part of the coursework was keep a diary. And I remember I was getting interrogated by this uh, by this woman that was on the same course with me. She was just sort of like being really argumentative with me and, you know, arguing over semantics and stuff like that. And really bugging the shit out of me. <laughs> so in my diary, I put her on trial. <laughs> There you go. So, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I have. I, I do stuff like that to a lot of people in my books. So, yeah, so, so yeah, writing is therapeutic, <laughs> especially if you if if you're having a bad time with someone. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to move on now um, to to um, Michael Laram, and and what we're going to do um, after we've done done these bits, I think it might be an idea to open up to a discussion on monsters generally. If you want to do that, sure, you know, sure. It's, you know, it's a way way that we can all you know just have a bit of fun. But next up is uh, Michael Laram, whose uh, story is called The Brazen Skull. Um, and the logline for that, a necromancer living in the ghetto is hired by a warlock to seek a brazen skull, magical artifact, um, imbued with the spirit of a dead warlock who can answer any question, um, namely a deadly riddle. But the skull has other inconvenient truths for the necromancer. Um, it's a short story from the good necromancer universe. So, so Michael, first off, uh, what, what's the good necromancer universe? Because I, I can't say if, um, I've, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a it's an urban fantasy that I that I've written. It's about six books strong now, and it's about a necromancer who uses his powers for good. So, long time ago, he was the most powerful necromancer in the city of St. Louis. Um, got into necromancy to save his wife who was dying from cancer. Did that, but uh, the deal with the demon that he he made went south, and so he ended up killing the demon. Killed his family, and so he spent seven years in atonement, and now. Um, because of an old friend is in danger, gets back into the game, but decides to use his powers for good. And um, I've always necromancy has always been interesting to me um, because the the characters are always evil. Like if you say necromancer, it's like oh okay, that's a bad guy, <laughs> that's, that's evil, right? But they have a skill set that's really interesting if you think about it. Like to be able to talk to the dead and and learn anything that you want to know. Like, where did Grandma bury the bury the safe? You know, where where's the where's the hundred thousand dollars <laughs> that uh, gra- Grandma was supposed to leave? You know, I mean, there's all sorts of little things that you you could hire yourself out to help people with. And so I always thought, well, okay, what would that look like if a character did use their powers for good and in the service of uh, building, putting more positive vibes out there in the world? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you also uh, where where did the cereal can hide the uh, Cheerios? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who committed the murder? Although there's there is one rule in the series that he does not solve murders because that's that's almost like that gets into OP territory. I mean, then it's just too easy, right? You just do a seance, figure out who who murdered who, and it's just easy. I I I, I don't go there, but um, everything else, you know, it's fair game. Mm. Yeah, I seem to remember uh, necromancy being used by Harry Dresden in one of the uh, Harry Dresden books where. I can't remember which one it was, but basically he kind of went into the uh, Museum of Natural History in Chicago there and uh, cobbled together uh, a monster made out of all, din- all these dinosaur bones and, and brought it to life by necromancy and rode on the top of it and kicked ass. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he he practices necromancy in a few of his books. I think he it, it's the first book as well. Um, it's it's pretty prominent. So naturally, there was there was some inspiration from that as well. But just kind of trying to take it into a, a different category and try to create a different type of character. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also, like you say, it's something that's not really you know, it's something that's usually only used for evil. Like, uh, wasn't wasn't that necromancy being used in the old Universal Mummy movies? I think so. Yeah, I don't think it's explicitly mentioned. Like, I don't think it's called that. But yeah, I think. I mean, that's essentially what it is, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of what it looked like because he, he he was always he was always connection with the mummy and 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 and, and the guy that was controlling the mummy sort of thing. Um, but yeah, mess with the balance of life, man. You know. <laughs> The sci-fi version Necromancer's reanimator, like on Scott's shirt. There. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bam. And you know, Frankenstein even. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. True. True. Um, yeah. My, my Necromancer, he, um, he can speak to the dead and speak to demons. And, um, he also has an undead servant who uh, lives with him. Who's uh, seven foot tall, uh, kind of, kind of not, not quite Frankenstein, but, uh, definitely. Uh, get, no, but good get, for reaching good, good for reaching things on high shelves. Yeah. Well <laughs> that too. And also looking like a complete badass, which eliminates a lot of fights. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, my, my character not really that good at fighting, so he just sends the uh, undead servant into a into a nightclub with uh, sunglasses and a purple tracksuit, and nobody's going to give him any trouble. Yeah. That's a great image. <laughs> <laughs> Seven foot tall dude with sunglasses and a purple tracksuit. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I, I try to be funny, you know, I mean, cause it's a super dark topic. So you got to have some dark humor and uh, oh, yeah. macabre, macabre gallows humor at I, times. I, I kind of got these, these visions of a fuzzy, of, of a fuzzy web red wig as well. I did sort of <laughs> Yeah. You know. Maybe I'll put, maybe I'll, I'll put the undead servant in a fuzzy red wig in the next novel. <laughs> yeah, that's for you, Ian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to be moving on now to uh, Jeff Burns, um, who's got the uh, he's got a story coming in the in the book called "The Adventures of Inanna and Ned." Uh, Gargoyle PI. Um, yeah. Um, and basing the logline for that is Eleanor and her Gargoyle private eye partner have to crack their toughest case yet. Who's trying to rig the annual Monster Mash dance competition? Yep. Sounds a bit sounds a bit comedic, Jeff. Is uh, is that where you're going with that? Oh yeah. It's very it's uh my kind of zany comedic take on noir uh, detective stories. Um, which I normally is the way I kind of write. If, you, if anybody saw the dragon story, they kind of get the same vibe here. Um, yeah, it's, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I was inspired by the uh, '90s Disney show cartoon Gargoyles, which is one of my, which I love that that show. Nice. That was kind of the seed of inspiration. Uh, so I was like, what if a gargoyle and a? Because also, you know, I, because Mark's challenged us with different kind of monsters, and I was like, you know what, man, I almost never see gargoyle stories, um, like very rarely. Um, so I want to do a gargoyle story. Yeah. And uh, it's very much these two very opposite characters. Um, like he's more serious and kind of proper and he, he like eats very daintily and she's super energetic and shoves food in her mouth and is like a huge mess and is flirting with all her clients uh, to his consternation. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, I wonder like, like what was a, what was some, what was some case they could do that like is absolutely not the fate of the world. <laughs> like, right. Like, and I was like, Hey, a dance competition. Great. Let's, let's solve that. 
Let's solve someone trying to cheat a dance competition. It sounds like your gargoyle is more in the uh, mold of Goliath. Is that a fair, <laughs> fair assessment? Yeah. I, so, I, I, I was thinking, like, who's your favorite gargoyle? Like, that, that's probably who you would model it after. Yeah, I mean, Goliath was my favorite gargoyle. You're totally okay. right from the, from the cartoon gargoyles. So that's probably, I mean, he's not, you know, he's a little different than Gargoyle, but that's probably the closest, you're right, uh, cool. match to that, to that show. Mm-hmm. I also like... I kind of like how you mess mixing up the genres as well. You know, kind of getting horror with with detective story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. kind, are you going to go down a kind of Sherlockian, sort of like Sherlock Holmes? Actually, s- sort of. Because so I've uh, I've been bringing this to. I have a local writers group I, I run, and I've been bringing this to them, and, and and they kept saying like, "Oh man, you should you should write more of this. We're really enjoying this." I was like, "Oh, cool." Uh, so I decided to actually write this as a series of cases, a la like Sherlock, a lot of the Sherlock Holmes story books were all these different cases him and Watson went on. So I'm actually already on the third one. Um, so after the six months exclusivity of this anthology is out, I'm going to publish like, I don't know, 10 cases or something of these two, Elena and Ned, uh, solving different cases as one like novel, basically. Ooh, um, an awesome so, and it's all going to be, it's all like, you know, kind of zany case type cases and, mm. and goofy stuff. You can also have a bit of product placement in there as long as you wanted to. Um, I don't know if you have them in America, but we've got, um, we've got crisps here in the UK. Potato chips in America, what we call mm-hmm. crisps. Um, we've got these crisps called Monster Munch. You, do you get them? No, uh, I, I don't know, Adam. Do we have that here? Monster Munch? I don't know. Monster Munch. I don't think so. I've never seen it. Uh, yeah. My daughter We've brought got the munchies. some back. My daughter went to England and brought some back. So, yeah, I've had them. Yeah, I love the pickled onion flavor. And, you know, I was just thinking <laughs> that Elena and her gargoyle could actually do an autopsy on a pickled onion flavor packet of Monster Munch or something like that. Oh, wow. That's a good idea because Elena loves to eat. So she eats almost anything. Um, food is actually a big thing in that. Like Ned, again, I like to do weird things. So Ned uh, loves drinking milk all the time. So he has like 20 gallons of milk all the time in their office because uh, I'm a huge milk drinker and people make fun of me for it. So I was like, I'm going to make my gargoyle love milk. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge milk drinker too. It's, oh, good, good. You get along with Ned then, famously. It's kind of like, uh, it, it's kind of what helped sculpture out my, my, my chins is all the milk I drink. <laughs> Give you a great physique. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I grew my beard out as long as I did, was to hide the double chin. So, <laughs> yeah, I take this thing off and, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. Actually, it's been several years since I've taken it off, so I don't really know what's under there. <laughs> it could just be a mouth and, like, just a, you know, just a... a you got things living in it. I have no idea. Huh? You might have it in treasure in there. <laughs> I, I might. I might. There may be a family of squirrels. You don't know. <laughs> Sounds like the st- start of a horror short story. What's behind my, underneath my beard? <laughs> yeah, the uncontrollable beard. That's the uh, that's the horror story mm-hmm. right the there. Beard that wept blood. <laughs> now that's kind of hammer. Well, now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn, that's a horrible image. Okay, all right. What the beard that wept challenge blood. accepted? <laughs> oh, you can have that. Go for it. Um, okay, well, next up uh, we have uh, JC JC Mastro, um, who 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 like Jeff and Matt's also contributed to the uh, Dragons of Different Tale, and uh, JC's um, you know, story is Magic Land Mischief, um, and the logline for that is After Hours in the World Famous Magic Land, amu- Land Amusement Park. Laura, a company crew member, sees a dark-robed and mysterious figure weaving a mysterious spell. 
but the spell had some unintended effects. Uh, side effects, sorry. <laughs> Kangora and the characters of Magic Land's most loved ride save the day. Yeah, so this one, it's a bit of a mashup of all kinds of stuff. Uh, lots of inspirations. Um, the most prominent thing is it is sort of a continuation of the Dragon Fragon universe from the Dragons of a Different Tale story that, that I put out. Um, that one was called Spirit of the Dragon. The... Uh, antagonist of sorts in that story he makes a return in this one and uh he's the mischief involved in the title um correct me if i'm wrong but spirit of dragon was the one with the uh, rock band right and yes yeah dragon fragon the, the dragon fragon heavy metal band yeah <laughs> and the uh the boatman character in that book he's he's back um to cause a little bit more trouble with his his magic of reanimation and um so it start. It's a mash mash of monsters too. It's a bit of the uh, the main monster is a troll, but the not the under the bridge type, the big, uh, scary, you know, Anglo-Saxon Nordic Jotun giant Etten troll, um, and uh, the mishmash is also they're all animatronic. Um, so his spell brings the animatronic characters back to life. Um, a bit more than he intended. So things go a little crazy. And uh, this character, Laura, she's the, pretty much the only one left in the park after hours. And um, yeah, it's up to her to kind of figure this thing out. Uh, and Magical Land itself is uh, based on a probably the most famous theme park in the world, but I'm not going to say just to be careful. <laughs> but uh, I had a I had a blast. And I think it's just a lot of fun. Does it rhyme with busy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so a couple <laughs> characters and rides that are popular there um, have their own versions in this story, and uh, I think you'll have a lot of fun reading it. Cool. Well, I, I, I actually tell you, I, I actually have read it, and I think it's amazing. Oh. I think it's fantastic. Thank I you. agree. I read it too. It was super fun. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I'm going to have to read uh, Spirit of the Dragon again. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, I just ordered myself a copy, um, a hard copy, um, paperback copy of um, Tales from Different, you know, Tales of Dragon. So I've had it on my Kindle for so long, but I just wanted an actual copy. So I'm probably. Hey, that's the way, Ian. You're right. Everyone should buy two copies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't afford two copies. <laughs> no, but an ebook and a paperback. That's yeah, great. That's the way to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. You know, but then again, you know, sort of like um, we're probably going to have to be burning books pretty soon here in the UK with our energy prices going up so high. <laughs> okay, well, if you want to buy a lot of our books to do that, that's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm I'm, t- I'm kind of looking at all the um, you know all, all the all, all the rubbish books. So I wouldn't burn the good stuff. Okay. <laughs> you know. All those Moose and Boons romance books that used to come out in the 80s that my sister connected. Uh, you know, I'll probably get all those and burn them. Yep. I see you taking Twilight and burn it and go, who's sparkling now? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. None of them in our, in our monsters. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, when, when, when's, the, um, when's this anthology due out? Uh, is it, is it going to be a Kickstarter campaign or something like that? Yeah, so we're going to start off a little different than the first one. We're going to do a Kickstarter. Uh, uh, maybe it's probably for October 17th, so it might be live at the time of this recording when it plays. And uh, and then after that Kickstarter, so the will we'll, the Kickstarter backers will get the books first before anybody else, and then it'll be very early next year, probably in February, when it will go wide to everybody, all the, the normal normal vendors. 
the backers can get not just the books early, but they could get their names put in it. They, there's other prizes in there where uh, if you back for a certain level where you can get like a tuckerization where you can get maybe a character named after you. Um, JC actually offered to name as long as the female person, female character, um, the name his main character uh, for one of the oh, backers. Wow. So yeah, that's a pretty awesome one. So that'd be cool. Yeah, and to come across a female character card, Ian, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's things like that. We're gonna do uh, a certain level. You can get an audio commentary, or I've seen some people start doing that, where it's certain. They're not like it's not like an audio book. You're not reading the whole story, but you read certain sections. You skip around down the story and and tell a little bit about you know that section. You know maybe what you came up with, maybe a funny you know story behind the story. Basically, maybe you know which one's Scott's brother who died <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> um, and, and other little things like that. So we'll have other little little uh, items here and there. And you can get the ebook, the physical book. Uh, you can get a package of with both uh, Tales of Monstrosity and, and uh, uh, Dragons of a Different Tale together and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I should imagine you've also got other opportunities as well. You know, for example, with um, with with, with, the, with the monsters in these books being, you know, not so well known, with the exception of maybe Gargoyles. Um, you know, you, you you could also sort of like uh, have have something where you're talking about the uh, the the element of folklore where those where those where those monsters came from, right? Yeah. So another thing with these anthologies, so now they're part of a series. It's called the uh, the Crossing Genres um, Anthology Collection. So uh, so this is book two. Dragons of Different Tales, book one. And another feature of, of these is that uh, the authors can write behind the scenes like essays of their stories. So you can actually uh, the author can tell you in their own words, you know, the story behind the story, and and, and in this particular case, a little bit more about the monster too. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, given that we've got so many riders here, um, um, this is a question that I'm going to sort of like uh, put out there to all of you. But um, what sort of what sort of TV, films, uh, books, comic book characters? What 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 would you say um, has been you know the most inspiration to you? You know, from from those type of things because because um, obviously I think most of us probably grew up in the what eighties nineties. Just guessing. Seventies. Well, I, I kind of grew up in the seventies and eighties. So I was a, I was a, I was a young lad in the seventies, and then then I turned ten, and then it was nineteen eighty. All of a sudden, it was like uh, weird. Yeah, you and I are about the same age. So yeah. Yeah, for me, JRPGs are kind of how I see the world. Nice. So I mean, I grew up on Final Fantasy yes. and Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. You know, and. That's just that. That's I think a, like a foundational thing for me. But also, you know, '90s cartoons like Gargoyles. Um, you know, comics are were always a big, big thing for me as well. And so, when I think about monsters in particular, I always think that monsters they kind of represent like the biggest hopes and fear. Well, not hopes, but the biggest fears of the world that they're in, right? So mm-hmm. they kind of represent that externally. But you know, in some cases, they're just kind of things to be destroyed. <laughs> but it's kind of nice when they have a symbolic. Um, and in other cases, painting. in other cases, we actually let them to bring it to office. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, everything Michael just said is stuff I love too. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, huge RPG uh, player since I was a little kid. Uh, besides all that, I'm also, I've always been also very influenced by uh, Eastern uh, Asian martial arts films, like Hong Kong films of the '90s. Um, 
which was a big influence on my dragon story, which was set in a like a fantasy land based off of ancient China. I, I really so, like that story. There's a lot of kung fu. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Uh, there's a lot of kung fu in that one. Uh, this one, there's a little bit of martial arts. Uh, only does some Muay Thai uh, in it, uh, but not, not. It's not a big thing in this one. But uh, I always tri- usually put some kind of martial arts into my stories. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, um, Jeff, do you remember, um, you know, I'm not sure how, whether you, I think I'm probably a bit older than you, but we used to have a, a cartoon series, it was a Hanna-Barbera series, Hong Kong Fooey, remember that? Oh, yeah, Hong Kong oh, Fooey, yeah. Number yeah. one super guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just waiting for, for some, some horror producer to wreck Hong Kong Fooey like they wrecked the banana splits a couple of years ago. <laughs> was, was Hong Kong Fooey? Well, they're doing it with Winnie the Pooh now, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they did it with Cowboy Bebop. So, oh, you know, oh, I loved everything you said until that because I love the <laughs> live action. I, 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 li- I liked the live action until I went back and watched the old anime, and then I, I realized mm. that people had points. I didn't dislike it, but they they definitely did some things with it that mm. I'm okay with that though. I love it. Yeah, well, for me, um, we'll, have, we'll have to take this me. out in the back. Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, a lot of where all this comes from for me is uh, I grew up in a I grew up in a swamp in South Texas um, that was covered in ghost stories, and a lot of them were about my own family. Um, and uh, I was a Boy Scout. Um, I'm an Eagle Scout, and uh, you know, once a month, every month, I'd be out camping, and I was the guy that really loved telling the spooky stories around the campfire. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, one of one of the things that I really enjoy doing is I enjoy doing live readings, uh, especially for kids. Um, but I like doing live readings because there's something about the way that you use your intonation and your voice and the way that you tell a story and pause in just the right place that you can get the, the audience just sitting in the palm of your hand wrapped and then you drop it on them and then they just lose their minds. Um, so for me, I mean, I've always been a storyteller um, as far as literary influences go, Lovecraft. Uh, who was a horrible human being, but wrote some really interesting stuff. Um, Stephen King, uh, of course, Edgar Allan Poe, Gary Braunbeck. Um, there's a lot of people that just really, basically everything I've ever seen um, is fodder for some kind of weirdness up here. You know, and and I, I always tell everybody, you know, if I meet you, there's a really good chance you're going to wind up in one of my stories. And if I like you, I'm probably going to kill you. And if I like you a lot, I'm probably going to kill you really horribly. So, Oh, crap. We're all in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Marx did that to me in one of his stories. I guess he means you like me, Marx. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of my very best friends wound up a floating head down down the Monongahela River uh, in Pittsburgh <laughs> in uh, one of my novels. So, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So eyes of the floating head. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the eyes, then the head opened its eyes and talked. And that was one of those moments where everybody went, ah! so you know, <laughs> she got really excited over it too. She called me and was like, I'm a floating head. So, yeah, you, you think they've gotten used to that sort of a uh, talking heads by now if they watch Futurama. I mean, you would think, you would think, but apparently it's still novel to some people. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Never yeah. gets old. Definitely normal for me, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. Did you go, John? Not yet. Go ahead. You want me to go? I'll go last. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, kid of the '80s and '90s, definitely. Um, 
more so of a sci-fi fan than um, and fantasy fan than necessarily horror or the monster genre. But when when I did enjoy it, it was usually the the fun, goofy kid stuff like uh, the movies Monster Squad, Little Monsters. You know the uh, oh God, that was such a good movie, Monster right? Squad. Heck yeah, love that movie. Wolfman's got Nards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I even like the original miniseries It with uh, Tim Curry, you know, stuff like that. So, um, but to be honest, when it comes to my writing and, and stories and things like that, I'm usually writing about spaceships and other stuff like that. So it's been a lot of fun to, in these last two anthologies, to sort of branch out and the first one going into dragons and other, other things. And then in this one, exploring the monsters, um, which my knowledge is of, of all that's really come more as an adult um, and mostly from mythologies, to be honest honest um i really enjoyed reading the percy jackson series and all of those books and to my kids and myself and picked up tons of monsters and and stuff from mythology in there um more recently uh viking mythology and nordic mythology which is really cool um which is where i kind of that you know the, the crossover with the nordic and the anglo-saxon stuff kind of where i got the idea of the Etten troll giant to, to start this whole thing so um but yeah, I mean that that's sort of been my my monster influences, but you know, growing up not as much, but it was a lot of fun to, to bring all that together and, you know, of course, Disney, wink wink, nudge nudge. <laughs> that was a big influence. Um Yeah, and you know, when I could talking about Disney, did any of you see the new uh, what's it called now? Werewolf by night? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, watched it last night. Loved okay. it. Yeah, me too. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved that it was all in black and white, with the exception of the um, of, 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 of the thing that they were competing for. Yeah, the bloodstone. The, the, yeah, the stone. Yeah, what I thought was interesting about it was that they brought in the man thing. Um, I'm I'm a comic book fan from you know way back. So um, when man thing came out, my little geek heart just started going pitter patter. So. <laughs> Yeah, who came out before Swamp Thing, like a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so for me, my influences are well, I'm, I I watch way too much TV, and then I read a lot of comic books when I was a kid, and I still do read comic books, except I usually read non superhero ones nowadays, um, more so. Uh, but I also grew up on horror movies, like in the eighties and stuff. Uh, my mom probably let me watch them way too young, <laughs> so <laughs> and so I got a mixed influence of stuff for. And I and I try for each universe to really kind of mix it up the tone and stuff more. Uh, so like Obsidian Universe is a lot more you know action oriented, urban fantasy, which is like you know, sibling or whatever of, of superheroes in a way. They're very related in many ways. Um, that's you know it's taking that with action adventure uh, type movies, and uh, and I have a lot of martial arts background since I was a teenager. I trained in a lot of different styles, so I, I like to throw in action stuff. <laughs> like that, um, as best I can, because you can't really explain complex martial art moves very well <laughs> in that story. Um, so I just mishmash all that for the Obsidian Universe stuff. So this particular story is a little bit grittier, got a few more stronger language and a little more violence than than, than the main Obsidian story. Um, but that's kind of where those influences come. Plus, I love folklore. I read folklore, you know, and encyclopedias and stuff like that for fun. And uh, uh, they're almost like, like to me, they're like the who's who of handbook from from like DC comics and stuff. <laughs> but they're monsters in different mm-hmm. cultures. Um, so I love folklore. For a brief time, when I was like, when I was younger, like I my first degree is in psychology. I dabbled in parapsychology. I joined ghost hunting groups and did ghost hunting for a little while. I joined MUFON and 
and the UFO research stuff. So, uh, so I really dug into the monsters and supernatural folklore and stuff for a little while. Um, so, um, so I just combine all that stuff together. <laughs> so, so wait, you went ghost hunting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So did, did was you super find popular. any ghosts? You know, maybe <laughs> I, I went on one ghost hunt. Actually, this was a little bit later. I was potentially going to film it as a pilot or I did film it as a pilot for a reality TV show. And it was with a bunch of different people that were like a mix, like of a shaman and a psychic and a, and yeah, and a Wicca, and it was like a mixed group, and and there was this maybe demonic entity in this house, and we got a few oh. weird things. I mean, there's a lot of weird things that the psychics were saying they were seeing, and then we had a ghost box, and it said some pretty freaky stuff, and, uh, and so that was something freaky for me to experience at least. You could have oh. been Zach Baggins before that. Oh man, on. I just missed out. On that. Well, I uh, I went on a ghost hunt. I used to have a ghost hunting group of my own, and. Uh, I went on a ghost hunt and my partner who was with me um, at the time I was teaching a class in ghost stories and literature at Waynesburg college. And uh, it was a summer course. And I think I had like six students and I thought what a great way to end up the semester would be to just go on a real ghost hunt and let them just scare the crap out of each other, you know, (laughs) more, more themselves than anything. So I've been doing ghost hunting for a while and we found a place that was called buddy's bar and uh, everything that I heard about this place made it seem like it was all urban legend. It was all, you know, nothing, right? So I took half of the class, three students, and we went upstairs. And my partner took the other three and went downstairs. And she was downstairs for like, I don't know, five minutes, three minutes, something. And she came back up and she said, something got me. I said, what do you mean? She lifted up her hair and there were three long, bloody scratches on the back of her neck. Oh, thanks. And while we were all clustered around watching, three more appeared on this side. Mm-hmm. And I got it on tape. Nice. Wow. I actually got that on tape. Really? So, yeah. It's so, actually on YouTube. <laughs> is it really? I'd, I'd love to see that yeah. link. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, it's something, yeah, something out of Resident Evil or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, it was interesting because, you know, we'd heard the stories about, you know, okay, tell me if this sounds like urban legend to you, all right? The bar is haunted by a man named Three Fingered Eddie, right. you know, and it's, it's come on, how cheesy yeah. can you get, right? So toward the end of the night, you know, we're we're finishing up. We had uh, we had students that were, we had people that were touched. We had people, we had one person that got their butt pinched, and that was really funny. But um, toward the end of the night, the owner of the bar showed up with this guy, and he said, "I thought you'd like to meet Kevin here." Kevin said, "Yeah, um, Ed was actually my best friend." He lost two fingers uh, uh, to a, uh, I believe it was a combine, but it was some sort of farming equipment. And that's why they called him Three Fingered Eddie. And so turned out that all the stories that we'd heard about this place were true. And, you know, we got we got a lot of really interesting footage while we were there. But the crowning glory of it was that one piece of footage of Tabitha getting her getting her neck scratched. Wow. And uh, I have pictures of it from the next day. And these are not like little surface level scratches. These are like, <laughs> these went pretty deep. <laughs> did they leave so, scars? Yeah. Uh, no, they did heal up. Um, they did not leave scars. Um, so, I mean, but uh, 
Does she does she not yeah. get haunted by the uh, by the ghosts of the scratches? Huh? Does she what not you say? haunted by the ghost of the scratches? No, no, not really. No, um, she no when she you know we take. Per- Okay, so without getting too far into it, um, we take precautions to make sure nothing follows us home. Mm. So you know, and there, you know, there, there, there are other things like we've gotten EVPs, which is electronic voice phenomena, which is you know, voices caught on tape. And when you get them, you feel really stupid because you're standing in the middle of a room with a with a an electronic voice recorder, and you're asking questions to nobody, and nobody's answering. You know, so you're standing there, and you're going, "Does anybody want to talk to us?" You know, and then you get home and you start listening to it, and some. Sometimes something answers. So we were at uh, it was an abandoned hospital. It was built in 1967 that uh, basically had a massive, massive graveyard in the front yard. But um, anyway, so we had uh, again my partner at the time and another one of our people were in a room and one of them heard a noise and she said, "Is that you?" Nothing, you know. I mean, the the person that was with her, my partner, didn't say anything. She just shook her head. We didn't hear anything at the time. We got home and I plugged in the. Uh, recorder into my computer and amped everything up and you can distinctly hear somebody speak after that she said was that you and you can hear a voice whisper could be and scared the crap out of her so i mean yeah but i mean among other things you know i mean i'm sure everybody in here has been influenced by the twilight zone you know the works of rod works of rod serling um you know night gallery (laughs) i've got the box set (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very good. That it's um, it's something I always go back to those because they're so re- they're so well written, and I don't think anything has been done since that can can come anywhere near close to comparing to them because they're kind of like um, horror sci-fi, but they're morality tales as well. No. The first short story that I ever wrote, the biggest compliment that I got for it was that it was like something out of Twilight Zone. So, you know, it was that's that's been kind of a measuring stick for me for most of my career. So, well, yeah, I, I love those things. Um, the Outer Limits as well. I used to use. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Outer Limits show. was great. That was a great show. Outer Limits was fantastic. And, and also then, uh, the um, what was it now? The he, he wrote. Um, his name escapes me. Ray Bradbury. Had, or? Ray, Rad, Ray Bradbury had a he had a he had oh, yeah. oh um um his um was it Mystery Theater or I forget the name of mm-hmm. something theater in the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, Bradbury Bradbury's work ethic was the most amazing freaking thing I've ever encountered <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, he's definitely that one man of my puts, inspirations too. That man put me to shame. <laughs> he's one of those guys you read and it's just like I just want to quit. <laughs> but you read it's like I just give up. You know, there's just there's just yeah, no way. Yeah, no ma- well, even on my best day even if you know i take some drugs or something like i'm never gonna write as well as as this guy like it it's amazing yeah but uh yeah i was gonna add uh are you afraid of the dark from oh, nickelodeon yeah. oh, yes that was a brilliant it's another, oh my god that's probably a great show right. one of my favorite well, and i mean the things. old the old books the old scary stories to tell in the dark books you know they just made mm, the movie yeah. of it, but i'm old enough to remember the original books you know yeah. and those things were freaky i loved yeah. them. i was i was always a creepy little kid so you know <laughs> Yeah. Or a goosebumps. I mean, you know, uh-huh. those are yeah, people look down on those books, but they like people forget how yeah, but like, they shouldn't. revolutionary no. they were. I mean, they just well, yeah. were so fun. I, 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 I made the mistake of instilling in both of my daughters, my own love of creepiness and weirdness. Um, you know, like, like every other father, I, I like, I like to read my kids stories, you know, when they were children yeah. and, uh, I read them the standard stories and then I ran out of books. And so I just pulled one out of my library. Um, and when I tell you what it is, you're going to realize what a terrible father 
father I was. But um, uh, well, it was Clive Barker's The Thief of Always. And um, yeah, I started doing the voices with it and everything. And yes. my oldest daughter was like, hey, let's stop that for now. It's just not. <laughs> and uh, so both of my daughters, you know, my, my both of my kids, like 22 and up is their ages now. And they're both morbid, creepy little kids, too. So, you know. <laughs> That's just how it grows. That's just how yeah. I roll. <laughs> it's a genetic thing. Well, you know, like yeah, my probably. kids, mine too, like so many right now, um, which also inspired my story to a point was the whole Five Nights at Freddy's thing, you know, with oh, the sure. reanimated, uh, you know, monster, ghost, whatever thing, animatronics. And, you know, I kind of pulled from that in my story as well. And they love that creepy stuff and the folklore behind it and all that. I, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's neat that the kids are into it. It doesn't, doesn't do anything wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I actually got called to my youngest daughter's school. Um, you know, I'm telling so many things I probably shouldn't tell. Um, so uh, I moved to Pennsylvania uh, in 2007. And when I got there, I moved to this little place called Monroeville. And that's where they shot the original Dawn of the Dead, the, the mm. zombie flick that was shot in the shopping mall. And uh, they had Zombie Fest. And uh, I got invited to it, uh, you know, had my little table with my books. And I thought, how cool to have my youngest kid with me, you know, and. Uh, so she was at the table with me and she was watching people that were wearing the zombie outfits and, you know, listened to all the stories and everything. And she was in kindergarten at the time. And it didn't even occur to me that this might not have been the best place for her to be. Well, I got a phone call from her teacher that said she wanted to have a, a conference. I said, OK, so I go. And uh, she I'm sure she was very well-meaning, but um, she's one of these people that knows every bit how to raise your children better than you, even though they have none of their own. And she says, Mr. Johnson, I want to show you something, but I want to prepare you. It's a little shocking. Oh, okay. So she hands me a piece of paper that my daughter has drawn a zombie getting its head cut off by a guy with a chainsaw. Yeah. And she said, Mr. Johnson, we are concerned. And I started laughing. I said, do you know who I am? Do you know what I do? She said, no. I said, not only am I proud of that, I made that. I did that. So they, they, they never called me again. Um <laughs> You were that parent. <laughs> I am that parent. I am I am freaking Gomez Adams, man. I am I am Herman Munster. I am that Oh parent. yeah. <laughs> so awesome. so that 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 led to an interesting question. Herman the, the Munsters or the Adams family? Adams family every day, all day. I'm a Munsters guy. Oh, always have been. always have been. You know what? Yeah. We could I be like neighbors. the Adams family. Yeah. We could be neighbors because I'm the Adams family, you're the Munsters. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just love I'll the, meet the, you on Mockingbird Lane, man. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, um, I want to watch the Rob Zombie Monsters, but I know it's going to be awful. If you go into it expecting it to be a Rob Zombie flick, you're going to be disappointed. Right. But if you go into it expecting a uh, an extended episode of the Monsters with all of the cheese and all of the stupidity, um, then you're going to be you're not going to be disappointed. Right. Okay. I'm not going to say just, you're going to love. I couldn't it. get into the guy that plays Herman Monster. I, I just I saw I saw the trailer. And I'm like, no. It's a really just, different portrayal because yeah. It, yeah, it's a very different portrayal of it. But uh, I gotta say, the guy who plays okay. Grandpa steals every scene he's in. Yeah, he looked pretty okay. cool. Yeah, I, I, he, I, I he was is. I was impressed with him. But yeah, just the I, I was a, there was a video on YouTube that did a side by side of the original like uh, the, the original opening and then this one. And then you look at it, you know, you, where you, you go, he kind of crashes through the door. 
<laughs> and it's like this just looks stupid. <laughs> it it absolutely is. I it's can't. just as stupid as the original series, and that's part of the reason <laughs> yeah. why I dug it so much. So, well, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I, I, I might have to watch it then. I'll see. No, I, I, I can't. Know. I won't be able to get my wife to watch it with me though. That's the only. Thing. You know what? It, it, it it's okay. It's a couple of hours you're not going to get back, and you'll be okay with sacrificing those hours. Yeah. Well, well, I, cool. I love both. I love both the monsters and the Adam Sandler. I liked them both kind of equally. I remember watching them in the 80s growing up and these you know we had a we had channel four launched with um with um, a lot of uh reruns of of the monsters and and the adams family and the beverly hills hillbillies and i'm oh, just yeah. i'm waiting i'm just waiting for the day that to do a crossover with all three so you have the monsters the adams family and the beverly hillbillies <laughs> Challenge accepted. Right, <laughs> trying, trying to figure out what that would look like. I'm throw mixing, bewitched uh, in there. And Gomez and oh, bewitched. That's oh god, that would be hilarious. Yeah. Imagine if the be. Beverly Hillbillies moved into the house that was between the Munsters and the Adams family, <laughs> and across the street from Samantha Stevens. Oh yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be interesting. There you go. And might as well just throw Audrey and Jeannie in there too while you're at. And it. And then we discover that Granny is a swamp witch. And, and the monkeys. <laughs> well, you know, ha- have the monkeys in there and let. They would be an awful neighbor. Yeah. This is a weird neighborhood. What's going on? <laughs> the soundtrack, you know, of the whole thing would be cheer up, sleepy Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we might as well put the burbs on the corner. Yeah. I mean, might as well. That would be if, fun. We could get Tom Hanks to re to you know to to revisit that role. That was a great. That would be a great role for him. <laughs> yeah. That was a great. Movie. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite. That's one of my favorite like fight scenes at the end when they they burst out of that house on the stretcher. <laughs> and oh yeah, they're fighting each other. Oh my god, that was a funny movie. I, I might watch that again this weekend. I haven't seen that in years. I mean, yeah. and there's a lot of movies that are like really underrated that are like that. Uh, that you know nobody remembers anymore. Like uh, Danny Aykroyd and John Belushi did Neighbors, and it was oh. the it was it was the first movie that John Belushi did sober. <laughs> And seriously, it was. But it's one of those movies that everybody's like, Neighbors? I don't remember that one. But if you go back and you watch it, it's actually completely maniac funny, in my opinion. Speaking of other projects that just came out, I just watched The Midnight Club, the first episode. It's based on the Christopher Pike stories. So some of you might I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that yet. I think I want to. He's got Mike Flanagan, who did... uh, Directed uh, Midnight Mass and, and mm. House on what was it Haunting of Hill House and, and such. So mm-hmm. pretty good. So it has it has the Guinness World Record now of most jump scares in one one uh, episode or whatever filming of a of a horror movie. Oh so. wow! Oh, that sounds that sounds fun. <laughs> well, I've got a I've, I've got kind of one last question for you all, and uh, and uh, this is this is basically an opportunity for you to um, or promote any projects that you've got that are out now um, or, or are coming out. So, do do you guys have any stories, books, or or anything that are coming out other than than than, than what's in this anthology? Boy, I do. (laughs) Um, Before the end of this month, uh, my novel, Ungehauer, will be out. Um, That is a story about a group of Texas cavers that release monsters from a cave and then they eat a small town. Um, And it's kind of my love letter to monsters. Um, And then in April of next year, I have another book coming out uh, called Through the Witch's Stone. Um, uh, That one's through Timber Ghost Press. Uh, Ungehauer is out through Bloodshot Press, um, and 
Yeah, I've been busy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but uh, Ungehauer's coming out next, and uh, it's bloody, and it's disturbing, and it's very emotional. Uh, like I said, I use writing as a form of therapy. So, um, yeah, and be on the lookout for my dead brother in it. So, there you go. <laughs> and, and the chainsaw, or two. Yeah, yeah, or two. <laughs> okay, um, uh, Michael, do you have any? Michael Moran, do you have anything coming out? Yeah, I've got my good Necromancer series. Uh, I've just published book five in the series called Death Moon. So that's out. And I actually just finished another trilogy in urban fantasy. It's called The Chicago Rat Shifter. And it's about a, a person who gets turned into a rat against his will. And wow. so the best heroes come in small packages. So if you like rats, uh, dark, gritty humor and uh, funny brother, sister, uh, sibling camaraderie and uh, bickering, it's, it's a great uh, thing. So you can you can find all that stuff at michaelloran.com. I'm, I'm going to have to get that one for my cat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, although, 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 just make sure the cat doesn't eat the book. You know that that probably wouldn't be too productive. Yeah. But there, I, I, can't, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't promise that there won't be a copious amount of rats in the book, though. <laughs> yeah, well, she's definitely going to eat the book then. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, do you have anything new coming up? Uh, yeah, so I'm currently in the middle of releasing my superhero comedy series, Super Knocked Up, as a Kindle Vela. That's something I did as a two seasons of a web series for uh, a bunch of years ago. It's a comedy about a supervillain gets pregnant by her superhero nemesis. So, uh, so I'm releasing this as a valid, then I'll release it as a full novel. Uh, I finally got back to actually releasing it like every two weeks now. I was kind of had a hiatus there. So you can get that at supergeekedup.com. Uh, and besides that, I've written a whole ton of geeky comedic erotica. My pen name, Riley Rose. Uh, a lot of just kind of goofy stuff. A lot of uh, sci-fi fantasy action stuff. That's RileyRoseErotica.com if you want to check any of that out. Uh, there's over like 30 books up there. And then I usually um, release one about once a month or so. And of course, we can catch you. Um, is it weekly now? Um, Super Geek Talk? You do the show every week now? I yep. do, yes. Uh, we do our Geeky Chat and Improv Comedy Show. Uh, Super Geeked Up. It's Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, yeah, we just do it live. Uh, you, can, you can get it right at supergeekedup.com or YouTube Super Geeked Up. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun. We have a live chat and do a lot of goofy stuff. And Marks and John have been on a whole bunch of times. And maybe we'll have these other guys. Ian, you've been on it too, actually. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll have these other guys on too. Actually, we're going to have a bunch of the authors on uh, soon, actually, to talk about the Kickstarter mm. and stuff. You know, it might, you know, so my best time to get me on now, uh, Jeff, is probably around about Christmas time when I'm not working. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm working most of the year now, so I, I actually have to go to bed and at, at responsible hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, be in the middle of the middle of like early morning for you when we do it. Yeah. So it's like middle morning for me. Uh, John, do you, do you have anything new coming out? I think you've got, got a book that's just been released, the Yah science fiction one. Yeah, yeah. My, um, my YA sci-fi novel, Academy Bound, just came out about a month and a half ago, give or take. No, no, it's about two months now. Um, been pretty excited about that. It's been, you know, labor of love for a couple of years. And um, it's, you know, a 16-year-old goes to the uh, Fleet Academy for the Earth Alliance to uh, become an officer and um, also try to find his mom who's been missing for eight years. Uh, a lot of, you know, fun uh, uh, influences in there. Star Trek, you know, Academy um a lot of eighties sci-fi movies and things like that. So it's, it, it was a lot of fun. I'm really, really glad to get it out there. Um, uh, as far as things I'm working on, uh, starting the sequel, got to get going on that and still working on a middle grade, uh, collaboration with my writing partner, Jeannie. Um, 
tentative, tentatively called um, Wheeler Twins and the Resurrection Keys. So that should be like an archaeology adventure style book. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, other than that, uh, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now, just doing life and dad and, you know, all the good stuff. But if you want to, yeah, follow me along on uh, the socials, JC Mastro author at um, Instagram and Twitter. And I'm also on Facebook at JC Mastro. Um, I have a website, but it's uh, in the middle of transitioning to a new host. So it's down at the very moment, but should be up soon. You can also find that, jcmastroauthor.com. And finally, Matt, do you have anything new coming out? Well, besides this anthology, um, I have, you know, Kindle Vela, Obsidian Monsters, Season 1, which will be put together as a book next year, as, as book one of the Obsidian Archives series. Um, I also have a nonfiction book in the works. Well, I have two nonfiction books in the works as I'm updating my old television on the Wawa web book. And, uh, and, and then I have a new nonfiction book in the works for, for writers that's based on some and the beginnings of like workshops I've done in the past. Um, and dealing with creativity and, and, and ways to, to, to build on creativity and, and talking about psychology research on it and, and things you can do as a writer. So, um, and I, you know, I'm working on some other stuff that I can't talk about. It's super secret, but you can go to you can go to marksbow.com and keep up with whatever I'm doing. So I also do we have uh, our podcast on hiatus right now, but we'll come back soon with Jean Entertainment. Uh, I co-host with Julie, my wife, and um, I also uh, currently on um, the Dragon Con Urban Fantasy YouTube channel. I'm one of the regular panelists right now. Doing uh, I did do Supernatural rewatch uh, all 15 seasons. Uh, wow. for 15 months. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and now we're doing Buffy watch. So, uh, we just are on season two, this, this coming episode. So that's been really great to go cool. back on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and see that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, those supernatural episodes, uh, yeah. some, something would be painful to get through a second time. <laughs> well, at least the last three seasons, I completely forgot to mention, uh, my web address. Uh, so I'm going to throw that out there just cause I can. Um, it's, creepylittlebastard.com so (laughs) that is 100% real creepylittlebastard.com there's free stuff on it there's free audio files free short stories to read and if you want to follow me on the socials on Instagram and Twitter I'm horror scott so yeah Mm. but yeah (laughs) creepylittlebastard.com like that Um, well, I'd just like to thank you all for being on the show. It's been great meeting you all and talking with you all. And, um, you know, it might be fun to actually have some of you on, 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 on the show individually to talk about the books in, and stuff that you've written. You know, if you want to do that. glad to do it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because, like, uh, because I think in horror and science fiction, it's such it's such a big thing that, you know, there's a lot, there's probably a lot of writers and authors that, that don't get recognized mm. that, that have books out there. So, you know, maybe may, 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 maybe we can sort of like, uh, you know, have you on the shows, you know, peop, some people on the shows and get and, and give them a nudge. Yeah, be great. Love to. I'd yeah. be thrilled to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Likewise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, th- thanks for being on. It's been it's been great speaking to you all. And um and good luck with the anthology. Um, I, I'll be getting it, and I'll be reading it. So, Thanks so much. Know. 
you, yeah. you've got one you got one person right here right away <laughs> there we go we're right. almost there <laughs> all right um, I'm pretty sure by the time this goes out um, you'll probably have at least another person that I know of that will will, will will have a go at it because they they also purchased the dragons of a different tail thing right. um, based off of you know, you know us plugging it last year yeah hey Marks where's the best place for them to find the Kickstarter to get like the <laughs> Uh, well, marchpile.com, but also, uh, cabotcrossing.com is the, Cabot Crossing is the publisher name. Go there and they'll have a links to the Kickstarter. So mm-hmm. great. Okay. It's been great having you all on and, um, you know, and I'm afraid that's a wrap for now. So see you guys soon. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.